Welcome to Good Looking Out, episode 52, a podcast about what to eat, watch, read, and listen to. I'm Eric. And I'm Ruben. So, uh, you will probably notice Santos is not here this week. He has some family stuff going on and is uh, actually preparing for a potential move to the West Coast. So, or not potentially, he's moving to the West Coast. So. This is the first time hearing of that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that might happen. I was a little worried about that. No way. Um, yeah, he's moving to LA. His, uh, wife, I'm so depressed about this. <laughs> his wife got a gig in LA, and it was okay. just too good, to, too good of an opportunity to pass up. Oh, well, good for them. Okay. Yeah. So, thank you for coming and sitting in. Yeah, no problem. So, what's going on with you? What's new? Uh, man, I mean kind of a rainy Sunday, so I spent the day watching some stuff. Um, what are you watching recently? Uh, I watched uh, a documentary called Icarus. Oh, yeah. So the, I've seen that in the Netflix carousel, but I haven't watched it yet. What do you think? I think it's worth watching. Do you know the Do you know the kind of basic premise? Yeah, it's about Russian doping and the Olympics, and specifically cycling, or at least they, they hit a lot on cycling. So that's, that was what was interesting to me. It starts out, so I think it was like, Rotten Tomatoes does that thing where it just is like some of the top things streaming right now. So it's just like a quick, easy way to find some things. So I found it off that kind of went in blind. And it starts out maybe the first 30 minutes is a documentary that I wouldn't have chosen to watch. Okay. Right? So it's about, it's this amateur cyclist who uh, competes, I think it's called like the Hot Race or something like that. But it's like the Tour de France for amateurs. Okay. And he's competed in one year. He gets, he like used to love Lance Armstrong, found out about the doping thing. So he kind of goes into this backstory a little bit and then he it's kind of this um self-experimentation so expose it, yeah he he loved Lance Armstrong found out about the doping thing and then was inspired to start doping is that yeah so that's why so the, the original film is a little bit difficult to get a beat on because yeah so I'm as I'm as confused now as so I was how you missed the cautionary tale with Lance Armstrong <laughs> well he's doing it like to expose doping. So I think he, he gets 14th in this race and then he decides that these... He's doing it to prove that cycling is full of doping, that you have to dope to win? Well, at one point he says that if, if I can get away with it, then anyone can. So it's like he dopes for uh, he, he dopes for five months, a really specific regimen, and then um, his plan, I guess, is to have somebody test him and then prove that you can beat the test. But I feel like we are... That has already been proven by times that like, Lance Armstrong beat the test forever. About, yeah, <laughs> like all those guys about were. Twenty years, people have been beating the test using all sorts of different drugs and different doping methods. Exactly. So I don't know what I don't really know what the film he set out to make was, but through a relationship that he makes. Uh, while filming, he kind of stumbles into this much bigger story, which is the one that that you were describing around, like Putin and right. Russia and, and the Olympics. Wow! Um, and it actually turns into this really cool story. So it's um, it's funny because this this guy almost feels like he didn't set out to make that movie, but he just ends up being the guy making that movie. Right. I, it's it's interesting that he wouldn't 
just start the story there then. I would have. With a little bit of <laughs> like half an hour of like, well, here's the thing that I was going to make, so I'll make you suffer through half an hour of that and then pivot. Or even like a 10 minute preamble that's just like, this is how we got here or something. But yeah, they spend way right. too long. It's, it's over two hours and they easily could have tightened it up if they had cut out the original stuff. Yeah. And the, it also feels a little self indulgent for a while because it's just like about him doping. It's, it's like a super size me style right. thing. Weird. Uh, anyway, but it ends up being pretty cool. So I would, I think I, I would recommend watching it, but I do think you wouldn't miss out if you skipped the first like 25, 30 minutes. So speaking of documentaries, uh, you know, this has been out for a little while, but have you watched the Defiant ones yet? I don't, oh no. Okay, so I watched like 15 minutes of it. That's uh, uh, Dr. Dre and uh, Jimmy Iovine. Jimmy Iovine, yeah, no, I watched uh, like 20 minutes. It is, it is incredible. I pretty much watched the whole thing. My uh, wife and daughters were out like for most of a weekend. Yeah. So, and I watched the entire thing like on a Saturday night, just sat down got some takeout food and like sat in my office and just watched the entire documentary straight through. And it's funny because they, they have a good way of ending on sort of these like minor cliffhanger slash like narrative threads that you want to see how they resolve. Okay. So it was good to watch it back to back to back to back like that and just burn through the whole thing. I think there's four episodes total and they're each like maybe an hour and 20 minutes a piece. So all, all told it's like probably five to six hours of documentary and you binge through it on one in one night one night yeah <laughs> crushed it yeah. it's like discovering cereal now right. and just like binging through the entire yeah. thing it's really really good though and it's it's interesting the sort of parallel careers that those guys have had because um, you know obviously a little bit different because Dr. Dre had his own musical career right I mean in a way you know, but even in NWA, he was more of the like DJ sort of producer behind the scenes guy. Um, and then he obviously had did some solo records and did well. But it was never uh, more of yeah. his talent is like pulling is the producer sort of DJ like the guy behind the console making the music happen, which is what Jimmy Iovine did as well and did super well at. And did Jimmy Iovine do that for Dr. Dre? Is that part of it? Or did they come together no, both they, having independent no, success and then found yeah, Interscope, they right? they came together on Interscope because um, their uh, death row, which when uh, he was with Suge Knight, yep. when Dre was with Suge Knight, ended up coming under the fold of Interscope just because hip-hop was hitting so big. From from watching Straight Outta Compton, I'm, I for some reason left with the feeling that Dr. Dre had left Death uh, Death Row. He did, and then he started his own label, okay, and which was still on Interscope because by that point he and Jimmy Iovine had recognized in each other like, oh, you and I are like have this thing. They're both like, defiant ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're both defiant ones. Yeah. Well, they both have this like talent for recognizing. Like Jimmy Iovine's genius was like, this thing over here is amazing, and this thing over here is amazing. I'm gonna put them together. So what's like, what's like a really hey, clear? Tom Petty, like you're awesome. Uh, and you have this awesome song, you should give that song to, um, uh, God, what's her name? He would he would do this thing where people would have leftover songs, like Bruce Springsteen would have a leftover song, and he was like, oh, you should give that to Patti Smith. Oh. Boom, breakout, like super hit. 
for a Patty Smith. Or Patty Smith. Exactly. <laughs> Which didn't happen that many times. Right. Exactly. It was like, and it's the song everyone knows as a Patty Smith song. Sure. Oh, interesting. And he's the one who kind of made that happen. That's cool. And why am I, why am I blanking on this? Um, Stevie Nicks. Okay. Uh, he got Tom Petty to give Stevie Nicks. Landslide. Yes. No, I was joking. <laughs> was it oh, actually it was landslide? landslide? It was that, but it's like this, I mean, uh, it's an incredibly famous song, though. Oh, no way. And the two of them actually, like, performed it and sang it together live. And Tom Petty was, like, still pretty pissed off about it, you could tell. <laughs> Cause, cause, he was yeah. like, I had the song, and Jimmy just sort of, like, twisted my arm until, like, like it wasn't my intention to give this other song to anyone. He just kind of did it. So, like, Jimmy Ivey's talent was, like, I'm going to take this amazing thing over here and this over here. Yeah. Put them together and, like, create magic in a way that no one but me has ever imagined. So he almost, like, transcended being the guy behind the console and became this like super producer yeah. of ideas which is how the whole Beats headphones thing happened right too. right um you know Interscope and the things under Interscope and he's just like became sort of like a business mogul or like a business visionary or something in the record industry but he recognized very early on, like in the Napster days, like we are all fucked. Yeah. Which is why he came to Dr. Dre and was like, because uh, Dr. Dre was getting all these, um, and I don't want to give too much away about the documentary, but <laughs> Dr. Dre was getting all these like sneaker companies approaching him being like, you should endorse these sneakers and do all this shit. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like he was like notorious for just like saying no to everything. Cause he built, he, just, he built his own thing, right? And, and he just wanted to be pure. And he's like, I don't know anything about any of this stuff. I don't right. play basketball. I don't know anything about sneakers. And I want my name on sneakers. What I know is music. And so Jimmy Ivey came to was like, yeah, what you know is music, which is why you should make speakers. Gotcha. And like both speakers that go obviously on your ears in the form of headphones, but also like portable speakers and the pill. They had to have the pill. Yeah. And they also had a like a deal with a couple of car companies to put Beats speakers in like some models of cars. They show them like tuning in the documentary, tuning the speakers and the sound of the speakers with the engineers. Yeah. So, anyways, I can't recommend it highly enough. All right, I got to jump uh, back in on that. It's very like guy heavy it's like all guys talking about guys I mean there are some women who talk about the two of them in it but for the most part it's like these two visionary men sure you know and that's like the only sort of knock against it but the story's the story it's not like you can you know introduce a play up there who wasn't really involved yeah um but it's really good. I would highly recommend it. All right, I'll check that out. I'm just thinking back to the idea of uh, Tom Petty writing a breakup song about Mick Fleetwood and then <laughs> Ivy being like, you know who would really sing this song is Stevie Nicks. <laughs> Why did you write this, Tom? <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things where you just never know like who actually, like Bob Dylan wrote so many songs for so many other people that, th that they became way more famous singing. Yeah, right. You know, like the birds had a breakout hit with Hey Mr. Tambourine Man, like way more famous than his version of it ever was. 
there was a yeah and that it's like whenever I go into the lesser known albums or the lesser known songs on albums that are well known and then you hear and you hear a song that you thought was from somebody that was actually and I hear that with um, I mean sampling obviously takes it to the next level right, right? when you hear like Stevie Wonder yeah. uh, what was it Pastime Paradise yeah. and you're just like oh this just is Gangster's Paradise right right or Gangster's yeah. Paradise is this right yeah yeah for sure um, so one of the things we want to talk about this episode was YouTube. Oh yeah, I'm watching an, like an unprecedented amount of YouTube. Like I probably watch more YouTube than I watch any other streaming property. Like for the last, I would say, two months. Like, uh, versus Netflix, Hulu, yes, HBO, exactly combined. Um, in the last <laughs> two months, like pretty pretty close. Like YouTube has been dominating my life in a way that it hasn't before. Just got really into PewDiePie. <laughs> no, actually. So one of the things that I've, and it's funny because I, I didn't actually watch the show and it was on. Um, have you seen the, are you a magician, magic fan at all? I am. A, I am a magic fan. Yeah. Are you a fan of Penn and Teller? I am. Do you know the fool, fool Penn and Teller? I am. I've watched many of them on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been like, as much as you watch one with a show like that, where there's like so much, like so many seasons and so many clips. Yeah. Like, I just end up rolling through because it just goes from one to the next to the next to the next, and you just get like in this wormhole of like. And I, I think the format of that show is so genius, too. I, Those guys are so great. They're so great. And I love that they. Um that they don't spoil the trick. They, they say, yes. I know how you did that, but they don't tell the audience how it was done. And I think that's really important because I don't want to know how yeah. it's done. Right? So for anyone who hasn't seen the show, what happens is a magician comes on and they try to do a trick that fools Penn and Teller, where Penn and Teller can't say how the trick was done. But to Reuven's point, instead of just coming out and saying, well, here's how you did this thing, they talk around it by referencing magicians who might have come up with part of the tricks by using very particular um, nomenclature that right. refers to, like, say, like a double lift or something that's, that's a move that you would do as part of a trick. So they're not giving away how someone is doing the trick. And what is amazing is the genuine delight that both of them have when they're wrong. And they've actually been fooled. They love it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's pretty it's pretty entertaining. And there are some people that come on there that are amazing. There's some people who you know kind of after you've watched enough clips you know pretty quickly like who is not going to fool them at all <laughs> and you start to see it's funny because you start to see the same form of tricks over and over again or like you can recognize forms of tricks like oh this is the one where they have random they pass random things to the audience and somehow that determines like something that's written on a card or right right the card that they're picking or whatever like you start to see some of the same trick forms just with different very play out again and again you're like oh well they know this one like so unless there's something tricky added to it which yeah. you know it seems like a lot of that's what a lot of magic is is like you know studying historic tricks and then either modernizing or creating variations which I didn't know until, I guess it makes sense but I didn't know until I started watching clips of that show where right. they'd be like oh this is the and then actually if I if you dig into some of their own tricks they, they'll say like we took this from this old book that this guy wrote yes and essentially 
it's just that, but we pick our own spin on it. Yeah. And I love people like Ricky Jay and those guys that do like the sort of history, like where they're teaching you the history of magic while they're doing the tricks or whatever. That sounds cool. I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah. Is Ricky Jay just a famous magician? He's a super famous magician. David Mamet actually does all of his shows. Oh, really? Helps co-write <laughs> his shows. And he's in like almost every David Mamet movie. Oh, so I'd probably recognize him. You might recognize him. Yeah. I've had the pleasure of meeting Ricky Jay in person. Oh, really? Uh, Christian and Shout I, out to Ricky Jay. Yeah, shout out to Ricky <laughs> Jay. Uh, Christian and I created a like weird um, interactive sitcom thing where he played a online psychic. Uh, I feel like we should spend more time on this. <laughs> uh, in the series, so I got to meet him, and he he's a famous he has a famous collection of dice, like from uh, like ancient dice. He's super into dice. Oh, that's cool. Uh, like loaded dice and like dice that are were meant for cheating, and, and so like dice made out of bones, dice that made kind out of bones, thing. dice yeah. made out of gelatin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All the dice made out of crystal, and so in this book, he, he talks about sort of the history of dice and all these different dice and he has really gorgeous pictures uh, he had a like a really nice pro professional photographer shoot them all so I had him sign that book oh, no way. Um, he was very pleased that I had that because I think it's one of his more obscure books so anyways so the other things that another thing I've been watching on YouTube that I really love um, is the Viceland Party Legends have you seen this series no so it's basically uh, in a way, it's genius. In a way, it's just like a blatant ripoff of um, Charlie Murphy's stories from The Chappelle Show. Oh, it's sure. like someone realized, like, that was really amazing, and no one has done anything like that since, so let's recreate that. So what's happening is they get famous people, and they have them tell... The, like the craziest party story ever, you know, they've ever been to. So it'll be like um, Ninja from D'Antwerp and when he went over to like hang out and uh, with Kanye West and then they ended up playing like four and four basketball versus Drake and then um, <laughs> like watching like anal porn and then eating like um, banana cream pie in like Kim Kardashian's kitchen. Just like crazy <laughs> stories of like these weird epic like crazy unraveling stories is that the actual sequence of events yes diversion you have to know is um, they had been on tour with Drake uh, before that and they had like called Drake out for being just like a total pussy and a poser so like and in the press like the press printed all this stuff and it was like on the cover of or in like high profile in Rolling Stone like oh, okay. this beef between D'Antwerp and Drake and them calling him like a pussy and all this different stuff so he hated them so when he showed up with Kanye West to play basketball he was a little bit like is Kanye like fucking with me does he know about this <laughs> but it was it it was a, a funny story. So it's all like those sort of like Charlie Murphy-esque stories of like, here's this famous person telling the story about this crazy thing. Like uh, there's one with T.J. Miller where he talks about the first time he went to like a really swank Hollywood party and he tried to dance with Paris Hilton at the party and what happened, you know, all different things. Did they also play basketball? They did not play because basketball. Because the they Prince Prince story from right. Chappelle said basketball then yeah. eating, what is it, waffles or something? Uh, pancakes. Or pancakes, yeah. And then, so yeah. I had this, I, I was developing a theory that all rich people just play basketball together and then eat weird food. Yeah. So um, the last thing I'll talk about on YouTube and then we'll kind of move on to some other stuff is... Um, 
I and this this is the thing that I'm ashamed that I've been watching recently on YouTube. Excellent. Is um have, have you seen these <laughs> instant karma videos? Uh, no. So it's basically I like, get it. <laughs> basically like a slight variation off of like a fail compilation. Right, you know? right. Like fail 2017 or fail 2016. So how the way I got sucked into it was Insta car, instant karma bully. So it's all these people who are trying to bully or pick on someone else and then like they get paid back in instant karma, which is sort of like... It, it sort of um, preys on like the way you want the world to be. Right. And you're basically watching clip after clip of like justice being enacted. Some guy comes in to like rob a store and instead like he 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 accidentally lays down the shotgun. The clerk grabs the shotgun and all these people pile on him and like throw him down and then the cops come. Right. Or, or like a guy tries to rob a gas station but doesn't realize like the guy who's working there is actually like an MMA fighter and the dude just like whips his ass or whatever. <laughs> um, so there's like the uh, smart variations on like this instant karma. So there's the instant karma bully. There's like the traffic instant karma. There's like, subgenre. Yes, there's <laughs> very, <laughs> very defined subgenres of this instant karma thing. And these videos are like the biggest waste of time. But yet there's something so satisfying like and rewarding about it because once again it's like reaffirming like this is the way the world should be. Right. Like the person who pulls in bumper to bumper traffic pulls up onto the shoulder and then ends up getting like t-boned by a truck or whatever like <laughs> that's a pretty violent <laughs> karma yeah. some of them were just like there happens to be a cop that they didn't see and the guy gets yeah right right some of them are like and then there's the the collection of videos that are like sometimes labeled as this insta karma thing sometimes not but it's like you won't believe like that this shit was caught on camera and then it's like someone doing something completely crazy yeah yeah there's like instant karma work there's like like you said there's a million subgenres of this thing and I know that they're complete trash and it's rotting my brain but somehow I and I have vowed to stop watching them actually I'm gonna try to stop <laughs> and never pay <laughs> these things ever again but no but I appreciate what you're saying because it, it is it's like a, it's like a, it's exactly what you want to happen and you just get to watch it over and over again. You just keep getting that same hit. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to talk about one more thing just to redeem myself in the, <laughs> in the minds of our listeners here after talking about that stupid instant karma thing. William Faulkner. Yeah. I also watched <laughs> uh, three-hour videos of yeah, a British man, William <laughs> Faulkner. No. Um, there is a channel on YouTube called Looper. Are you, are you down with Looper? Uh, I think I've seen so like just like videos have come up from Looper. It's like a movie thing, right? Yes. Yes, I've, all I've seen some about of it. movies, different movie things, and they also have some like defined forms that they do. But the ones that I really love are like you know the seventeen films from twenty seventeen so far that like are flying under the radar that you haven't heard of. Yeah. And a lot of it is like stuff that's on streaming now or different things, and they'll do like you know fifteen films that were like way overrated and you know it's like basically listicles for film but they take different sort of topics you know the 15 best foreign films you've never heard of th you know things like that and they'll, they'll even do things like um like the best the best scary moments or something right like it can be something as bite-sized as right. that right okay and then the other thing they have is like why why hollywood won't touch x person anymore 
which are all. I always click on yeah. that. <laughs> Why? Those, those are like the instant karma version of yeah, right. the videos. It's like the oh, but they're like usually pretty well well done. They're not like trashy. They're like video essays almost. They are. Yeah. yeah. So it's not quite like it, this is not quite as. Um, as intellectual and thoughtful as like every frame of picture. Right. You know, like what that does is like raises your awareness of like cinematography and your appreciation of film. This is just point like much like this podcast pointing you towards like <laughs> things that you should spend your time on versus a whole bunch of garbage over here that you should not spend your time on. Right, right. So I appreciate that about yeah. it. So Looper, check it out. Nice. Subscribe. There's lots of good videos on there. Nice. Looper. Uh, Viceland, um, Party Legends, and uh, Penn and Teller Fool Us. That's the good stuff. Stay away from those Insta Karma videos. Do not go down that wormhole. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm going to watch tonight, though. <laughs> <laughs> Point taken, but I'm definitely going to have to like, check it out. Right after Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I wish Game of Thrones had more instant karma. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, speaking of um, watching a whole bunch of episodes in one weekend, there's a new Netflix series. This is well, this one is hot off the presses. I think it just started Friday was when it was first available. There's a new Netflix series called Atypical. Mm. Do you know about this? It's no, I've even heard of that. Uh, it is about an autistic kid who's a senior in high school and decides like he's going to try to like find love and start dating. Is it a documentary or is it a no, it's drama. drama? Okay. It is like a, I think the episodes vary between like half an hour and 40 minutes. Huh. I think the, the first one is like 40 some minutes. The rest of them are more like 30. Wait, there's a, there's a new show coming out on, I think ABC, like the good doctor. That's about an, an autistic, I guess, man who huh. becomes a doctor. But the whole, the, the premise of the show is like, look, he's autistic and can be a doctor. Right. This must be it's, something that's a documentary. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's, drama. A, it's a drama. It's like, it, it looks like a great anatomy like level. Having its moment. Yeah, like somebody somewhere was like, "Hey, you know what? We should you know what everyone seems to want yeah. to see is." Like, so there's a really great book that I love that was written by a British author called The Rosie Project. Hmm. That was about an autistic uh, guy who decides, or he's maybe it's not he he might have Asperger's actually, uh, Asperger's, uh, and he decides he's an adult, but he decides he's going to find love, and he creates this like ultimate questionnaire. And he has a friend who, it's a really, really good book. It's really funny. It's like narrated in the first person and his voice from his perspective. Yeah. So you're kind of like seeing the world through his eyes and seeing all these interactions and all these things through his eyes. And it's super entertaining and really well done. Does he find love? Uh, he does in the end. Nice. He does in the end. Um, but so when I when I saw them flash up this atypical thing, I was like, that kind of seems like the Rosie Project, but like set in high school as opposed to adulthood. Mm. But so far it hasn't been. Uh, it's much more of like a ensemble sort of family drama kind of thing, but really well done. So so it's not like. It's not, uh, what I'm imagining is kind of like a teen CW drama, like high school it is, drama. It's it not is, like that. It is not like that. It's, okay. it's much more subtle and nuanced and, and really well written and well acted. Oh, wow. I'll have to check so, that out. Okay, cool. Atypical. Atypical. Yeah. Netflix, or you, you said Netflix, Netflix original? Netflix original. Netflix original. They're killing it with yeah. the original. I mean, the, the amount of them that they're cranking out, we talk about this a lot on this podcast, but the amount that they're putting out, just the sheer volume of stuff is insane. Yeah. So crazy. 
I watched an episode of a HBO original series um, that I think is, I think there are only a few episodes in, so I think it's pretty new. But have you watched that uh, Room 104? Oh, yeah, that's the... Um um, Mark, the Duplass brothers. The Duplass brothers. Duplass, yeah. yeah. Which I'm bummed that HBO get canceled togetherness. I right. thought that was a really good show. It is a good show, or it was a good they show. They pulled the plug, right? On it. So, but the Duplass brothers have like a bunch of different, like so many movies and so many different shows. And I think that they're they're explicitly Jay about output, the, right? Like right. it's all like just keep making stuff. Okay, so maybe, I think. maybe they're not that bummed then that togetherness got canceled. And Jay is still yeah. on. Um, uh, transparent, which I have not seen a single episode oh, of. Really? I know, oh, I know. It's uh, <laughs> I just watch a shitload of stuff, yeah. like, way more than the average person. So um, I feel like I've seen most. If if I haven't watched the whole thing, I've at least seen a few episodes, like Man in the High Castle, and been like, you know what, this, I'm not that into this. Right. Which is. Which is interesting because I love the Philip K. Dick novel, but it has nothing, pretty much nothing to do with the Philip K. Dick novel. Yeah, it's a jumping off point. Very much. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, tonight, I, so I have a question for you. Tonight, uh, I spent most of the afternoon, nothing like more than on Sunday, getting like a bunch of meat and firing up the smoker. And today I did three racks of ribs for family dinner. But it occurred to me, like, my, for me, not only do I really enjoy doing it as a hobby, but it's also like one of my main indulgences is barbecue or meat or steak or right. doing like a pork shoulder or something like that. Um, and you're vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So for you, like what are your go-to sort of vegetarian foods or meals or for like when you're like, I'm in the mood to have something really indulgent? Well, I think the first thing I'll say is I'm not, I'm not a vegetarian that that doesn't think I'm missing out. Like I know full on, I, I know that I'm missing out. So like when I walked into your house today, it smelled amazing. <laughs> and I know that what I eat is probably not as good as what as what you eat. Like I've met some vegetarians who think, who are like, you know, I don't even, I don't even like me. I don't even, I don't even miss it, because I've discovered this like great like nutritional yeast seitan thing that's just as good or something. Right. I don't think I, I do think that I've I am skipping a whole category of incredible food. But that being said, I mean to answer your question, it I wish that it was more interesting. Macaroni and cheese and pizza. Really? I mean, it's it's like cheese based, like dairy based. <laughs> yeah, dairy. <laughs> ice cream. Yeah, ice cream. Yeah. For sure. I'm not I'm not as much of a sweets guy, but um, yeah, it's like if you can't eat meat, you just go one step and you're like dairy. Right. <laughs> I just drink butter. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, are you really into cheese as well? I am really into cheese. I guess if I were to go a little bit further out, I think Thai food kind of scratches that same itch. Yeah, I was gonna say there's something like. A about um, when I I was vegetarian for seven years as well. Yeah. I think for me it was always Thai curry was like the, the, my go-to for, and even making them at home was like a special thing. You're know, like going into the Asian market and getting like really good compressed tofu. Right. Making the curry from scratch with all the ingredients, not even like using store-bought curry paste or whatever. 
what's the uh, what's the one ingredient that's like in all in most Thai cooking and certainly in Pad Thai if you were to try to make it from home? Lemongrass. No, it's a different. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. It's it's something I've gone to the store multiple times and it hasn't been there, um, but it's prevented me from making some making it from scratch. I'm trying to remember what it was called, but I but I love like like a, like a good sweet peanut like Rama curry. Right. Um, I, I would eat that every day if I could. Yeah. yeah. There's something about curry. Curry with really good tofu and potatoes in the curry. Like oh, like whatever. a yellow or a yeah. green curry with with, with potato. potato. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And cream cheese wontons. <laughs> right. Dipped in marinara. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's interesting. I mean, there's. Now, it's a better than ever time to be a vegetarian because there's just more and more brands and companies coming out with all sorts of different stuff. Oh my god, it's amazing! There's all the I know you're not vegan, but there's also like all the amazing nut milks and vegan cheese, and you know it's like it's I I hear you like I I always felt when I was. Uh, vegetarian for seven years like I'm actively I know I'm depriving myself but the, the deprivation is worth it for moral reasons totally it would be like if I gave up drinking like there's any number of good reasons to give up drinking for all kinds of different people but if I were to personally give it up I wouldn't I wouldn't have to like trick myself into thinking that I didn't enjoy it you know what I mean it's I know it's good and I just am choosing not to uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other Okay, like nutritional yeast is legitimately a great thing, though. Yeah, I agree. So, and, that, and it does give you that same. I mean, I don't know. Is does that qualify as umami? I'm not even sure. I don't even. Yeah, I don't really. I'd be lying if I said I understood the, the concept of nutritional yeast thing. <laughs> oh, I think it's the concept of umami. No, I don't really understand <laughs> the concept of umami. I'm just like not quite sure what. Besides, like. Hippie dust. Yeah, newt. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, how how the whole thing even you know like how it like where it's where over. where it comes from. Right. <laughs> We're like yeah, it's 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 a byproduct of something. I think it is. Else, yeah. Right? Well, it's brewer's yeast. I think is a byproduct of the brewing process. I think nutritional right. yeast is that, but it's like been pasteurized or something like that to make it better. But it is good as hell when you put it on popcorn. Oh man, unbelievable. Other, other snacks. And I did try the vegan thing for a little while, near impossible for me, but the uh, but like the vegan vegan mac and cheese with the Nutch-based cheese sauce was actually pretty good. Huh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Have you tried um, the Chow, C-H-A-O, vegan cheese? Uh, no, I think the only actual vegan cheese I've had is Daya. Oh yeah, uh, which kind of like sticks to the back of your teeth. Yeah, yeah. there's a um, if you're ever t tempted. So I've been um, gluten free and dairy free for like six months. Right. Um, for health reasons, uh, doctors orders to a certain extent, um, and I was really missing like just having a sandwich. You know, just like a like salami or ham with right. um, you know through a long and arduous process. Like finally found some decent gluten free breads that like make for a pack sandwich but I was missing like having really good cheese on it yeah um, and I found this chow cheese there's like a it, like a cheddar um, a, no tomato basil with jalapeno and it's really good actually really? in sandwiches what's the like base of it or what's the found, I have what's no it? idea dude. it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, I had a friend visiting it was actually Kaya our, uh, who helps with the podcast who was visiting and she said 
oh, I've heard this is really good. We should get it. Because um, we always, like, make sandwiches and salads for lunch every day yeah. when she's here. So we got it. And, I, yeah, I've been buying it since. It's right away. Really good. Where do you pick that up? Uh, it's both at Whole Foods and at um, our local grocery chain, Kowalski's. Okay, okay. They have it both places. Oh, yeah. I'll, pick, I'll pick some of that up. Get the tomato basil jalapeno one. Well, because is the plain version, it just doesn't have enough flavor, so you have to add these additional... I think so. Things that, yeah, that think, makes sense. The plain one also wasn't bad. We got, like, the creamy original or whatever, which is kind creamy. of, like, mimicking, like, uh, white cheddar or something like that. Sure. Um, and it was fine, but the tomato basil jalapeno one was I was like this is legitimately good okay I'm gonna get some so yeah definitely check it out so um, one other thing I'm a little late to the party on this but um, was wondering if you had heard about are you, are you into anime at all you know, I've seen the what I would describe as the big ones. So in high school, I saw like Ninja Scroll and Akira and Ghost in the Shell. Right. But uh, but I would not describe myself like uh, as a fan of anime. Okay. Have you, so there's this anime. This is also out of Netflix that I've recently started watching it uh, called One Punch Man. Oh no, I haven't even heard of that. No. Okay. So what's amazing about it is it's actually like <laughs> a little bit of a like satirical. But really well done send up of like anime and Japanese anime. So the concept of the show is there's this uh, hero, and they they like constantly are making fun of things like backstories and also and the like weird characters and shit that people come up with. So they kind of there's a lot of like tongue in cheek and spoofy shit of that stuff. Yeah, it's like a really intelligent, well done. So the the main character is this guy who is like when he was a kid decided like it'd be amazing if I could grow up and destroy villains with one punch so he just like trained and trained and like did all his focus but now he's like an adult hero and he's sort of filled with this like ennui and malaise because his life is so unfulfilling because he just destroys everyone with one punch because <laughs> he can't take time with it <laughs> yeah and because there's no one left to like challenge him or to give him a good fight uh, and there are all these like heroes popping up and like villains uh, destroying the city and all this stuff and um, it's sort of like this whole series about and so far I've only, I've only watched three episodes but I'm like how far can they like keep this concept interesting how, how can they make this interesting yeah right because um, there is another show Death Note that is based on like a remarkably simple premise as well which is this guy gets a notebook and any name he writes like the person dies um, and I think they're actually turning that into a TV series uh, I think Netflix really? or Amazon is actually turning it into a series. I think it's Netflix, actually. Starring Scarlett Johansson. Right, exactly. Oh, boy, here we go again. <laughs> um, anyways, One Punch Man, really funny, yeah. really witty, like really insightful sort of like send-up of the genre. And it's um, done in the same... The animation like, is amazing. And it is anime style. Yes, and it was done in Japan. Okay. So it, like, you have to read subtitles, which I don't mind. Some people have a problem with. Yeah, I'm cool with that. It's really funny. I think you'd really like it. And, and that's on Netflix as well? It is also currently streaming on Netflix. Okay, I'm going to check that out. So, okay, kind of a side note, but do you, so you're a fan of anime? Uh, I, I would say I'm his, similar to you, 
like I have a lot of I love it but I did just don't have enough time to which is why when someone recommended this One Punch Man I, I watched it and was like very pleasantly surprised right so I would say like my favorite things are things like Vampire Hunter D and Akira and yeah Ghost in the Shell and some of the Miyazaki stuff which is an anime really but um you know so I would say like I I do really like it um and the new like the new Voltron stuff and um stuff like uh Legend of Korra that like has a lot of anime references I love all of that stuff I'm a huge fan of animation and animated series I wouldn't say I'm like the most knowledgeable about the world of anime like I don't exclusively watch anime I would say if I watch one anime series a year, like that might even be like stretching it. And it's a pretty big canon. It's huge. I mean, it's like a, so. There's so, entire streaming channels and services dedicated to anime. Why, or do you know when? So I guess if you don't know the history, but and this is something I've, I've thought about and have never looked up. But where did that style come from, and why is it so universally used? Uh, it didn't it come from manga comic books. Yeah, that would make sense. I think it came from the manga comic books and then just sort of was converted into... So it was manga comics in Akira Japan. was groundbreaking. You know, Akira's like one of the foundational... Akira and... Um, like... Uh, some of the early, like... What is it? Naruto battle something Naruto. Yeah, like some of those very yeah. early series, like that, were just massive worldwide cult hits. I think just created the. So it's like if uh, if if in America, like Jack Kirby or something like that, his his style of comic book drawing was just very pervasive, and then they and then immediately translated into an animation style, and then it just kind of stuck. That yes. would be the yes. oh, so, interesting. Yeah, I guess if you look at sort of comic book style over here it's it's kind of gone through a constant evolution right well I guess and I'm sure there are I'm sure there are a lot of people who would say not all anime looks the same I can I can I can yeah you can be a single yeah exactly so uh, you know untrained eye but I was just wondering why they look well one of the things that they do that's very cool in um the creator evidently sketches everything out in these sort of like sketchy lines and then hands it over to the animators and sometimes they pull they do really cool things with the animation where sometimes they use his like sketchy line drawings at various points of the show is this is in One Punch Man? in One Punch Man oh cool so they do some really cool really smart stuff nice Um, but I would say like when it comes to animation I'm more like at this point I'm watching more stuff like Rick and Morty and Adventure Time than I am watching like Japanese anime. Yeah. For better or worse. <laughs> Mostly for better. I, like, I feel like with anime, it's kind of like getting into poetry. Like, it's just really difficult to know where to begin. There's so much. Yeah, I, I feel like the people that are super into it, just and who just watch it all the time, like, I need someone to just be like, okay, of the last 10 years, like, here are the three shows you should watch. I feel like One Punch Man is like, people think of as like, this is one of the shows that you, people should be watching. I'll take it. So, yeah. I think you'll really like it. You'll enjoy it. It's nice. funny. Okay, great. So, uh, anything else that you've been watching, reading, listening to that you want to point people towards? Uh, well, there's there's one series that I've been watching over again. So it's an old series. I mean, it ended in 2015. I think it was on the air for close to 10 years. Uh, but have you ever seen Peep Show? Uh, I 
You know, it's funny. I've never watched it. I've seen it in the Netflix carousel, but I've never watched it. What it is all about? unbelievably good. It's, it, to me, it's one of the funniest shows that's ever been made. Wow. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a British comedy. It stars uh, David Mitchell and Robert Webb, uh, who you might be familiar with. They did. They were the. Um, the I'm a Mac, I'm a PC guys in the UK. Oh, really? But then they also had a, a really good uh, sketch show. And I think they even had a radio program. Uh, but anyway, so they star. The gimmick of the show, it's essentially like an odd couple premise. Where it's like okay. they both uh, play kind of characters that you wouldn't think necessarily get along, but then they live together. But the gimmick is that they, everything is shot point of view. And you hear the inner monologue of whoever's eyes you're looking uh, through. Huh. So it's kind of a... It's, it's, um, that's, that's the peep show reference? Yeah, so it has nothing to do with the um, kind of like stripper booth person right. okay. uh, <laughs> uh, But yeah, really good. And I think trying to think of where I was watching it, I think it's either Hulu or Netflix or I don't know maybe it's been pulled but right. regardless if you haven't checked it out yet I definitely would watch cool I'll check it out are you, so are you a big fan in general of what you say of British comedy and British TV shows I would I would describe myself similarly the way I talked about anime right, right? I've seen like the big ones. ones but I, I actually know it's maybe one step further right because I've seen uh, like I was watching um, Broadchurch recently yeah. which I think that's one of the ones that made it across yep. uh, pretty pretty yeah. Do you go like back towards like Red Dwarf and things like that? I have watched Red Dwarf. Yeah. Or like that's Faulty Towers or something. Really genius, Red Dwarf. I haven't seen Red Dwarf since I was a kid. Right. Um, but as I recall, it was like kind of Star Trekky comedy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> There's like one human uh, hologram. That's right. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta go back to that. Really funny. Yeah. And it's just like their adventures in space. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, Yeah. There are certainly people who know way more about that stuff because I never watched Faulty Towers and I never watched any of the stuff that sort of all this, you know, a lot of those kind of cast of characters just jump from show to show to show so yeah. people would follow their whole careers and stuff like that I, I'm i much more well versed in like British crime stuff like you're talking about Broadchurch and yeah right it's um, like Luther Fire in the Blood and yeah like very obscure you know shit that was on Masterpiece Theater in like the 80s and 90s well you said Wire in the Blood and I said yeah but I've actually never heard of that <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what yeah there was w- this one guy who um, uh, Robson what was his name anyways he was on like three shows in a row where he was like the main lead and it went from Wire in the Blood to like a couple other ones and I followed him and like watched all those series it was like strong, it was d- detective shows detective shows but like very tame compared to you know we're not talking like CSI stuff here you know there's much much more like because no one has guns or very few, few people have guns so it's much more like uh, intellectual and sort of procedural than um, your typical uh, American cop show. Oh, okay. So it's good though. Yeah. Really good stuff. Yeah, worth getting back into. And now they're like at the height of their game. All of the British crime stuff that's coming out now I feel like is well surpassing yeah. the American stuff. Golden age. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, let's call it there for the evening. So thank you everyone for listening. Thanks as always to Kaya for the audio engineering assistance. And we will catch you next time.